So let me ask you a question here. How many of you work out, you know, like run, spin, bike, do the elliptical, you know, aggressively walk? Do you have any aggressive walkers you ever go down and you see these people? I'm afraid they're going to punch themselves sometimes in the face. But, but how many people work out and then fail to stretch afterwards? Come on, raise your hand. You know, I do. Did you know that flexibility physically is as important as fitness? Doctors and physical therapists agree it's vital. It's a vital part of keeping your body fit and able. Flexibility is the third pillar of fitness next to cardiovascular conditioning and strength training. Says David Geyer, the director of sports medicine at the Medical University of South Carolina and spokesman for the American Orthopedic Society for Sports Medicine. In fact, flexibility can help your body reach its optimum fitness level. So if you really want to be spiritually fit and you're not being flexible, you won't get to the optimum level of fitness because that is a way of, of playing a role in injury prevention and can even contribute to staving off conditions like arthritis and more serious illnesses. And as I've been aging and growing, I've been realizing more and more how important flexibility is. I'm probably one of the least physically flexible people you know. I was one of those guys who did all those sports that really didn't do any of that. I, I remember when a football coach would come in and he had years ago, he, you know, he said to the whole team, he said, one of the things we're, we're learning is you need to stretch. And we would all kind of look around like, we're not going to stretch. Are you crazy? And that's huge now. It's the third pillar of these three things. Even if you're aerobically fit, it helps to be limber, too, so your body can easily adapt to physical stressors. So the stresses that come in physically, says Margot Miller, a physical therapist in Duluth, Minnesota, and spokesman for the American Physical Therapy Association in our state of Minnesota. The spokesman for this says this. What's more, stretching may improve your circulation, increase blood flow to your muscles, and having good circulation can help you protect you against a host of illnesses from diabetes to kidney disease. So that's the only message. We just need to be physically flexible. No. Um, here's the bottom line. Physical flexibility is as important as physical fitness. You may be physically fit, but the question is, are you physically flexible? Now you're going, well, what does that have to do with the Bible and with what we're talking about today with this whole new series called Advantage Joy? Well, here's what I want to share with you as we move into this whole area of joy and what happens with joy. Joy is an expression often of spiritual flexibility. See, you may be spiritually fit. You may know a whole lot of the Bible and you may be doing some of the disciplines that, that are creating your heart to stay in shape. But you know what? There's a thing called spiritual flexibility that a lot of people in their life don't have. And to be spiritually fit is a good thing. But if you don't have spiritual flexibility... What happens is there becomes a kind of a rigidness, a stiffness with regard to how you look at and approach things in life. And you, you can very easily get caught up in what you want in your own plans. It's very easy for you to, even though you have all the scripture and you, you are in these kind of what I call exercises that are exercising your heart with the word of God through whether you're in an adult class on Sunday morning or Wednesday nights or in a small group or in some other place or you're serving. The reality is there's a flexibility that you need to have. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Are you spiritually flexible? Signs of physical inflexibility is stiffness and soreness. 
signs of spiritual inflexibility is this. What happens is there's a stiffness with regard to um, the things that you're going to find in your life. You're going to find that God's plan might not be your plan. And you're going to find if you don't have flexibility, you're going to miss that. And it's going to be painful. And it will cause a lack of, you know, a sense of frustration. You'll be fine that you won't maybe meet some people that God wants you to be connected to throughout your life because you kind of have a stiff approach to who is acceptable in your heart and your mind. So you don't really get yourself stretched in the way that God wants you to be stretched. So what is spiritual flexibility? My golden retriever is a good example of spiritual flexibility. Um, there she is wearing her little cone. I, it's amazing to me. She's emotionally flexible because I put that thing on and she looked at me with sad eyes for about a minute. And you know, a minute later, her tail's wagging and she doesn't even know things on her head. I only show you that picture because I sometimes wish I had her approach to life. I, there's another uh, little thing that you can tell about um, golden retrievers is... Every mood, look at that, happy, pensive, depressed, excited, angry, suicidal. I mean, all those. Paul learned spiritual flexibility. Do you know that we're told as we, we begin to look into this book of Philippians, and we're really going to start in Acts, we're going to see Paul's journey there, but it was, I think, in the journey and some of the other journeys that he had in his life that God was teaching him how to be content and how to be joyful, how to begin to develop a spiritually flexible life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. This little letter with 104 verses, just 104 verses over 16 times, says, be joyful. It says, rejoice. It uses those words throughout that letter because Paul had learned the secret of being content, learned the secret of, of the advantage of joy through spiritual flexibility. And that might be something God is teaching you. Right where you're at today. So what I want us to do is read this stretching experience that we find that Luke records in the in the in the book Acts, chapter 16. And in verses 60, verse six through verse 40 is where the story is. We're not going to be able to cover all the verses. We'll cover quite a few of them. So it begins. They went to Phrygia. And then on through the region of Galilee. Their plan was to turn west into Asia province, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. And so what I want you to note up here is this map, and I'll kind of show you that you can see he was up in this area in Lystra. Anyway, and so he goes in here, he wants to go here. Okay, so he wants to go there. Paul and his companions were trying to go in that, they were up in that frigate glacier area. They had planned to go west and south around the growing coastal areas because it was his desire to bring the gospel to that lower area. And if you go around the coast, that's where all the big cities were. And his strategy was to go to the big cities and to go to the big cities where there were Jewish settlements and where there would be a Jewish settlement, there would be a synagogue and where the synagogue would be would be people who knew about the word of God, the Old Testament. And they would also be God fearers, Gentiles, and he could come and he could share about what Jesus and they would go, oh, yeah, that's what the Old Testament was pointing to. And then he would start a church. So Paul's trying to go that direction and God says he blocks his way. He can't go that direction. Listen, as Luke continues the story. So they went to Mycenae. And tried to go north to Bithynia. But the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. Proceeding through Mycenae, they went down to the seaport of Troas. So I'm going to show you again on this map. So you can see here, they come up this direction through a mountainous region. And as they get up here, they wanted to go this direction, right up through here. So he's first trying to go down here. Now he gets blocked. He's going this direction. And he ends up being in Troas. Paul decides he wants to head north. Again, go to the large growing cities. 
Paul was learning, I think, through this to remain spiritually flexible. I mean, he had a strategy and he had a plan. And so it's this interesting perspective that he's moving this way and he gets it blocked. He goes up this way and he gets it blocked. So here's the question I want to begin with, just to ask you around spiritual flexibility. How flexible are you with your plans? How flexible are you with your plans? When God sets a roadblock, what do you do? How open are you to God coming in and changing the direction that you're heading, messing with your strategy? How flexible are you in changing plans that God is coming along and, and saying, you know what, not this way. And if you're not, I can tell you this, you'll probably live quite frustrated. You will not know the advantage of joy. And so what I want you to think about a second is this whole idea of spiritual flexibility. One of the areas that we need to grow in is this area of saying, God, what are you doing in this circumstance right now? Twice Paul attempted to go to the big populated cities of Asia Minor, and twice God says no. Now, I don't know if, he, if in that situation that when they were going to try and go that south route, that, that actually they, they actually saw Jesus. We don't know if afterwards they kind of go, boy, God was in it, because this was written afterwards. But somehow they knew that they weren't able to go that way. Listen again to what Luke writes. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They really attribute this no matter what it is. And when they came to the border of Mycenae, then trying to go north up those coastal cities along the Black Sea, they tried to enter Bithynia. But this, listen to this. The spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And I always wonder what was going on. Well, we really don't know, and it really doesn't matter, does it? Because the point is that there are times that there are roadblocks that the Spirit of God puts in our way. And it can be that you didn't get the promotion you're really hoping for. It may be that you didn't get the acceptance letters you were hoping to get into through this college. It may be that in some ways um, the company's downsizing and now you're in a position where you may not have a job. In fact, you actually lose your job and you're saying, God, what are you trying to do? I know some people who have gone two, three years saying, God, what are you doing? As they've been in this process of God changing their plans. It may be that there's an illness. You may wonder what the roadblock is. I remember one of my favorite um, candid camera. Anybody just dates me a little bit? Anybody remember candid camera? Alan Funk? And I remember one time they had this thing. Because I get this picture of the Spirit of Jesus standing there, kind of blocking their way. It's kind of like Alan Funk was dressed up in a Texas um, patrolman's uniform outfit. And they had this um, stretch of road where people were trying. They were crossing the border of Texas. And, and the people would pull up and he'd say, I'm sorry, but Texas is closed today. Texas. Well, anyway. Sorry, Paul. Bithynia is closed today. So here's the question. How spiritually flexible are you to God's plans? How open are you to heading a new direction? Maybe you're running up against roadblocks in your life and you're here in, in this situation where um, plans that you've had um, have been a lot of, um, you know, you're doing your best you've been, and your plans have been your own, but God is kind of coming in and you've never really allowed God into your life and into the plans of your life. And he's you're here right now because you've hit some roadblocks and you're searching and you're seeking and you're kind of going, maybe maybe the church has an answer. Maybe this God that the church talks about this Jesus. I would say, you know what? I don't think you're here accidentally. 
I've talked to some people, and we had a membership class, a new members class. We had about 24 in it this last yesterday, and we had 28 about a month ago. And I've talked to some of these people, and some of the people have come into this body as a result of the way God has changed their course. And through the change of course, they've come to open their life up to a different plan than what they maybe originally had. Where are you at spiritually? Maybe God is kind of altering your course because he's saying, I want you to know me more. You know, we get so caught up. I remember my own life. There's a certain point in a time when I had learned just out of the way that I lived, the family that I grew up with, I learned strategies in which I was seeking to get the things that I felt my heart needed. And there was a certain point in my life where I was doing things even for God. And I remember God put a huge roadblock up. It was the most heartbreaking difficult situation in my life, but it was like God was saying, Kevin, as good as your plans are that you have for me, I need to do something greater right now, more important than what you think I want out there, which I believe wasn't off. God still wanted that was this. I can't get you there without doing something in your heart and your character. And that may be what God is doing in your life right now. The plan may be this. He's saying, you know what? I want to take care of some things because of things structurally within who you are need to change. And in that process, he's saying there's an advantage here as you move into this and as you begin to say, okay, God, I'm going to yield myself. I'm going to become flexible to what you might be doing. I'm going to open my spirit. I'm not going to be frustrated and complain and gripe and moan. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose the fact that I believe that in this process, as painful as it is, you're here with me. Is God stretching you? You know, it's really interesting. Um, part of what God does when he changes our plans, even some of our best laid plans, is what he's doing is he's actually, he's actually saying, I want you to depend on me. Do you know that if you look at the story of Israel going through the wilderness wandering, you'll look at that story. Every battle that they fought, they fought a little bit differently. And they kind of go, well, God, make up your mind. You know, this is, you know, military 101. You just do this. Every battle was fought a little differently. Until they come to the Jericho, which is really different, and they walk around the city seven times. Why was God doing that? Why is God doing this maybe in your life? Because he might be teaching you to be dependent on him and not some strategy or plan that comes from your own mind as an individual. Not that it's bad. But what he's more concerned about is you growing deeply intimate with him. That your heart would be so in tune with him that you would be so flexible that if he needed you to move here, you'd go, okay. So let's go on. Again, Luke writes, second area of flexibility we're going to look at. That night, Paul had a dream. So he's in Troas. He's on the edge of that city, on the edge of the, the, the uh, land there of Asia Minor. And a Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. And when we went... We went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We now, and we knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans, which is a huge stage, you know, moving from Asia Minor over to Europe, which wasn't in Paul's plans. Now, here's where it's really important. And what I just read to you is from a paraphrase from the message, which is a great Bible, especially if you're kind of starting out. It's not bad to start and read the message. In fact, it's really good for some of us, quote, who have been in God's word for a long time to read that because it just gives you a fresh encounter at times. But there's also some difficulties with that. One of the reasons that um, I study from like the New International Version, or you can use a New King James Version or a New American Standard Version, you can name some of these, which tend to be more literal translations is for some reasons like this. 
Eugene Peterson and the message doesn't get across. It was just a slightly different nuance as this. Listen to what it says in the New International Version. So they passed by Mycenae, went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, which we don't know whether the vision really a dream with a vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Now catch this. This is what he says. Concluding that God had called us. What's interesting here is the concluding is a plural. It's not a Paul concluded. It's a plural concluding. In fact, when you get to this verse and you get into verse 10, there is in verse 10, uh, the, the movement goes from they, third person plural, to we, first person plural, because this is what it's called in Acts, the great we sections. What you have is Luke at this point in their journey at Troas joins them. He joins them for a short time as they go across the Aegean Sea and they get over to Neapolis and then to Philippi. At Philippi, also Luke leaves them again and it goes to a third person plural, they. But right here, he says this. It's kind of interesting. And the reason I want you to note this is because when Paul got this message, here's the slight nuance. It wasn't Paul who got this vision or dream and he came up to them and said, this is where we're going, guys. We get this idea from Paul. But what's really interesting about the way Paul received and the way that we receive communication from the Lord is Paul gets this message and as he begins to, to work through it and he senses in his own heart this could be from God, he's got a process for a second. Is this indigestion? Was it the calamari that I ate last night? I mean, could this be God? Should I even bring it up? And should, should we, you know, I want to still go down south or go north. And we're, and, and, but I get this dream, and so he brings it up, or this vision, and he brings it up to the guys, and they all pray about it, and they all go, you know what, this seems to be what God's calling us to do. So how flexible are you? I think Paul learned this early on. How flexible are you from hearing from God and His Holy Spirit and, and being led by God? Do you have kind of a certain way it is to be? Paul found out when he first came to his relationship with, with Jesus, he was a Pharisee, a Jew of Jews. He understood that it was God's Word and God spoke through His Word. But he's walking around down this road. He's going after to persecute some Christians. And Jesus shows up to him in this incredible way, which he could discount if he wanted to, but there was no way because he was physically made blind. Why? So the eyes of his spirit could be opened. So that he could begin to see and his ears would be open to the Spirit of God, not just to some hard truth of God's Word, but he would be flexible in the hands of God so that Jesus meets him. And so Jesus begins to speak to him in all kinds of different ways. How flexible are you spiritually to hear from, from God? Yes, be in God's Word. But as you go through life, can God speak to you in different ways? Do you know that sometimes God can actually speak through people who are your enemies? They'll use truth and maybe just a bit of it in order to really hurt you because that's what hurts the most. If it's totally false, you kind of go, yeah, right. What hurts the most? And a little bit of truth because the point of it gets in there deep, even though it's with a bunch of falsehood. You know, a guy can speak to you in all kinds of different ways. What I'll do often when I'm at a, an Asian um, restaurant where we're getting food and you get to the end and they, you know, they give you the fortune cookies, I'll often ask people, because I kind of like to find out where they're at on this, I go, can God speak to you through a fortune cookie? What do you think? And I get some great conversations. It's like being in a, in, a, in a barn and you kind of say to someone, can God speak to you through a donkey? Anybody know a God speaking through a donkey? Well, I told him the Old Testament he did. Now, does God always speak that way? No, but does he from time to time? He sure does. You know, in the Muslim world today, one of the ways that God is speaking more often than any is through dreams and visions. Because they don't have the word of God in the same way. 
But I don't think it's just because they don't have the word of God. I just think God is an incredibly creative God. And we get so rigid and so caught up and so preconceived ideas of how it's going to be. And so often, especially in America, we get really caught up in the, the business model. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong. We should do all that we can. Be the best businessmen with regard to the church. Be the best people that we can financially with the church. Be the, the best in every one of these areas that, we're, that we humanly can. But we also need to be really spiritual, flexible, flexible to if God says, this is how I want to do it and this is how I want to speak to you. So are you being led? Let me ask you this. How open are you to being led in ways that are maybe different than you've preconceived and thought? Let me ask you as a church, how open are we as a church to say, say, God, Lord Jesus Christ, we want more than anything to be led by you. And we want your Holy Spirit to be the one who calls us and moves us where you want us to be. Yeah. Amen. Now, let me ask you this, because, you know, there's some people who are going, amen. And there's some who go, that's it. I'm really open. And, and I'm not saying there's, again, anything wrong with that, because um, I tend to be one of those more kind of open people. But here's what I ask you. Those of you who go, yeah, God can speak all different ways. Are you then open to being to yourself, being open to other people speaking into that? Paul didn't dictate what the vision was and to go. Are you open to taking trusted people, mature people around you and saying, let's pray about it. Let's see. Is this what God is in? Are you spiritually flexible enough to let others pray with you and conclude whether this is from God or it is really just indigestion or maybe it is just your own selfish desire that you are kind of stamping by the way you're reading circumstances? I came to this church with the conviction, one deep conviction in my heart, and that was that I would love to raise a body of people who have this deep, deep commitment. And that is this truth that we all can hear from God conversationally, be in relationship with him through his Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you know what will will cause the Randy Blooms like we saw here and heard about this testimony about how God moved him from a place of being depressed into a place of serving. It's going to be people who begin to hear from God. And then God says, this is what I want you to do. And as you begin to move into the things God wants you to do and you take in, in boldness, stretch out in faith and do those kind of things, God will do incredible things through you individually and through this church. Okay, third area, flexibility. That will help us, I think, increase contentment and joy. There is an advantage to being spiritually flexible because it brings contentment and joy. Normally we move into complaining and moaning and groaning and grumbling and self-pity. And we don't do what we're called to do, which is a command, is to choose joy. And the reason sometimes we don't is because we're not spiritually flexible. Luke continues from his vantage point in chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. He says, putting out from the harbor at Troas... We made a straight run for Samothrace. The next day we tied up at the new city and walked from there to Philippi. In the main city in the part of Macedonia, and even more importantly, a Roman colony, we lingered there for several days. And on the Sabbath we left the city and went down along the river where where we had heard that there were to be a prayer meeting. We took our place with the women who had gathered there and talked with them. And one woman, Lydia, was from Thyatira and a dealer in expensive textiles known to be a God-fearing woman. As she listened with intensity to what was being said, the Master, the Lord Jesus, gave her a trusting heart, and she believed. And after she was baptized along with everyone in her household, she said in a surge of hospitality, if you're confident that I'm in this with you and believe in the Master truly, come home with me and be my guests. We hesitated, 
I'm sure for a number of reasons. She's a Gentile, she's a woman, etc. But she wouldn't take no for an answer. And so again, I think flexibly in their heart, they said, okay, God, this is where we're going. Now, I've got to share with you this. I think here's another area of spiritual flexibility because Paul was no doubt expecting, in my mind, a different outcome. See, he lands in Neapolis. I'm going to show you this map up here because he lands in Neapolis. See that little red line up there? That little red line is called the Via Ignatia. It's a huge thoroughfare that goes from Italy. So when Rome would march, they made this road. This road was about 20 feet wide. It had these polygonal stone slabs, and they would put the sand over, and it would be incredibly smooth. It would be, as, in many ways, as good as highways, better than some of the Minnesota highways. Let me just show you. This is not an example of what it looked like then, but that's an example of what was underneath it. And then there was the sand. It's this incredible road that they had all the way across there so that they could go from Italy all the way across Europe, Greece, and then over to Asia Minor. And so this was an important road. And on that road, 10 miles from where he landed in what's called Neapolis or New City, as it was paraphrased there, they go 10 miles inland to Philippi. Philippi, as you would see in that area, is, is this city, which is a Roman colony, which gifted to, to these people, Roman citizens, because of the, the, the military battles that they had won, they got this place. And in a very strategic places throughout the Roman kingdom, they would have these little Roman colonies. Even though they're far from the motherland of Rome, they would have all kinds of benefits that a Roman citizen would have. They would be self-governing. In fact, here's a really cool thing this time of year. Guess what? They didn't have to pay any imperial taxes. And what's tomorrow? How many get your taxes in? Federal taxes. Just think about it. You had to pay none. And so Paul's going to this place, which is another city, which he expects to be in this place, probably a Jewish settlement. And, and he comes to this place and he's looking for the synagogue. He finds out there's just a place of prayer. This place of prayer is made up with just a few women. And in this place of prayer, there are these few women who he realizes. And the reason it's called place of prayer is because you had to have at least 10 men to have a synagogue. He comes in there and I don't think it was any of the expectations, any of the outcome. He was the results that he wanted. And you know what happens, though? I ask you this with regard to the things that you're looking for, the results and outcomes in your life. And you come into these places and you go, it's not what you're expecting. What happens so often is because it's not what we're expecting. We don't then pull ourselves into it with joy and we're not in it in the moment and present because we're discouraged and disappointed. And what I find from Paul is he enters into it. He makes a relationship with those people there. He leads them to Christ. For some reason, God had taught him to be joyful, be present in the moment so that he could give himself, even though it may not have been what he was hoping for. And what happens there is this woman... Lydia and this church, if you read Philippians, is the most you read Philippians and it's the most personal, expressive a letter filled with gratitude and thanks. And it's also because of this church. God knew he needed these people to be his support when he was going to go on through the rest of Europe and what was going to happen in his life. This group of people became friends to him like no other group of people. And he could have missed it all because he could have gone, man, it's just not what I was hoping for. Man, I, you know, I just, can't, I just can't believe this. How flexible are you to where God has you right now? Are you entering into it? Are you looking in people's eyes? Are you present with them with joy? Because if you're there and God's changed your plans and He's been maybe speaking to you about something else, He's saying, I want you to invest your whole heart into this right now because you have no idea what I have in mind as you use this place to its fullest. And so let me ask you, how spiritually flexible are you? Are you willing to just enter into this present experience with all joy and let God milk it of all it's supposed to be?
And the last thing I'm going to share and just in closing is this. And I'm not going to read this um, story, but if you, you want to read it, it's the last part of this in these verses um, from verses really 16 through 40. But it's the whole idea. Paul comes into this uh, this town. He's with him for a few days and he went one more day. Another day he went down to the place of prayer to meet with him, to share with him about Jesus and, and about this story of who Jesus is and then and build this church up. And on his way there, there's a there's a girl who has what they call a python spirit, which the python spirit was a predictive prophetic spirit, which was really the spirit from Delphi where they had oracles. So this spirit was calling out things and saying, you know, these guys have come to tell you about the salvation of the Lord. And it's almost like she's behind him saying these things and bugging Paul. Paul just kind of turns and says in the name of Jesus I cast you out the spirit goes and as a result of that spirit going out the people who this girl was a slave to a servant to lost all their finances and money and so they're upset they take Paul they get a mob of people to turn against Paul and, and Silas and Timothy and they take Paul and they, they actually bring him before the, the court the court goes ahead and they, put, they condemn him to prison he's beaten and then they put him in stocks which are not just kind of clamps in a prison they were, stocks were so that you your legs would be so far apart, it would stretch it so it would hurt. And he's in this place. And let me ask you how spiritually flexible you are when you're in places that are really uncomfortable. When you're in the pits and the prisons, which you may be right now, and you're just not getting, you're saying, God, I thought I was doing your will, and all of a sudden I'm in this place. Paul could have been just, just sitting there going, man, I can't believe this is rotten, and all these prisoners are going to listen to it. But you know what it says he did? He sang. He sang praises to God. He began to express, and here's the third thing, the reality that God wants you to grow in. Are you flexible to move into this new reality? What's this new reality? It's to, it's to take heaven, it's going on in heaven, and bring it into your life and declare it here on earth. And so what Paul did was began to say, you know what? This is really rotten, but guess what? Our God reigns. Guess what? Our God is here with us. Guess what? Our God knows what's going on. Guess what? Our God has been directing our path like a pinball all the way around. Do you think we're here by accident? We aren't. Let's start praising God. They start praising God as they express praise with this kind of mighty sense of praise this move of God in a mighty way causes an earthquake causes the shackles to become off of them and, and break off of them the doors are open because of the earthquake and the guy who is the jailer over it is so afraid that they've gotten away he's about to stab himself with the sword and Paul says to him don't do it we're here he leads him to faith in Christ all because he chose to live in a different reality he had the spiritual flexibility that God I I don't care what this reality looks like around me. I don't care about this prison, this pit, and all this stuff is going on. I am going to express a new reality. And that's the advantage of joy. By the command of God, I'm going to start speaking out what is true and right, what I know is true and right. So, Minnesotans, how many were thrilled with the snow this week? Raise your hand. How many believe with all your heart that we're going to have snow all through winter like this? I mean, summer. Okay, come on, come on. Guess what? There's a new reality coming. And we're all going to experience it and grow in it. And I can tell you for a fact, I've been in enough Minnesotas that every summer we get at least one day of heat. God wants you to be very much aware 
that the season you're in is going to pass. And the way God will sometimes change what's happening out here. You don't define yourself by what's going on out here. You define yourself by who God says you are. You are forgiven. You are one who walks with Him. You are loved by God. You are a God as you seek to know Him. You're a, you're a person who has God leading and directing your life. And you can say, God, I praise You no matter what's going on here. Because what, when you get this changed in here, He begins to do these kind of... Um, earthquake kind of things out here and he changes hearts and lives of people and even sometimes your circumstances. Amen? So there's one verse and I'm just going to close on this that I want us to say again and again for the next couple months because we're going to learn together the advantage of living in joy. And it's this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. I'm going to ask you to say it with me. Let's say this together. Be joyful always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You may want to write that on a card, or we're going to help you do this, because we're going to begin to start saying this and again and again, because one of the things that happens with joy, you just don't kind of feel it because of what's going on here. You choose it. And you can do it by repeating this verse. I'm going to ask the ushers to come down at this time. We're going to take the care offering for those of you who may not know this.